0: Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. So for those of you that don't know me, my name is Nathan Reed. I wear quite a few hats in the church here. Um, I would be considered one of the old people in the church, being around since the days of the Danbury. So if you ever went to church at the Danbury at this church, you're one of the old people at this church. <laughs> so I know Ryan, who was here, him and his family, they were definitely here in the, in the very old days before we came here. So other things I do, uh, I help teach and lead our junior high ministry. I play bass in the band up here a couple weeks out of the month usually. Uh, I'm on the board of the church as well. Outside of here, um, my day job, I work for an insurance company. I lead a team of people that helps customers through the total losses of their cars. So as you can imagine, that is kind of tough some days to work through that with people. Uh, My wife, Kirby, she'll be coming back in here. She had to head upstairs to help out. Uh, Her and I, we celebrated our 11th wedding anniversary last weekend, so that was exciting. Um, and we actually got, like, last weekend, we got a kid-free weekend. We shipped them all to my parents, that was awesome. It's like, oh, thank you. So we have three kids right now. Um, we've got a fourth one on the way. Um, our due date is at, like, literally December 31st, so that's kind of cool. We're hoping, like, you get it in before the end of the year. You know, that insurance deductible and the taxes, we're like, oh, we can benefit from this. <laughs> uh, we, our three kids, um, we have right now Jax. He's seven he's getting ready to go into second grade. Ezra is four, he's in his second year preschool, and Lincoln is between a year and a half and two years old. You ask me the number of months, I can't tell you, I'm sorry, but he's right in between that age, and that's Lincoln, if I didn't say his name. Uh, My spare time, when I'm not doing any of those other things in the spare time I have, I, I like to run, I like to work on projects around the house. One of the things we've been doing lately, which is like the bane of my existence, and I'm sure some of you can sympathize with me in here, is we're painting and staining our stair rails in our house. I hate painting. I hate it. I'm bad at it. I leave the drips everywhere. Kirby follows me and cleans up the drips, and I get really annoyed. I'm like, ugh, I hate the drips, but I hate painting. But it looks great. It's going to look great when it's done, but I hate it. So if you hate painting, we're together. So, as we get into things a little bit today, I want you to... You know, take out your phone, whatever you take notes on, stone tablet, paper, there's paper in front of you. And we're going to do a little exercise to get started. So for those of you that are on the live stream or listening anywhere like that that's not here, part of this, we're going to be playing a song in here, so you're going to hear silence on the live stream because if we don't, they'll take it down because of copyright things. So just be aware that there's no problem with the live feed. It's just going to be quiet for a few minutes. It's okay. You can do this in silence. And so here's what I want you to do, okay? I want you to take a few moments and think about and write a few things down. I want you to think about who you are. So write down who you are. You know, pretty simple question, right? Like, no no guidance on this, just whatever you think you want to write down, you can make a list, doesn't matter. So I want you to take a couple minutes now and write down who you are, um, Greg is going to play some music for us, and I'll keep an eye out. If you can do me a favor, just like in school, when you're finished with your test, look up so I know that you're done. So, And then I will uh, let you know. So. All right. Looks like everybody's mostly done. If you're not, you can feel free to keep writing. Um, So I want you to hold on to that, okay? We're not going to do anything with it right now. It's just for you. You don't have to share with anybody unless you want to. So keep that, though, and we'll talk about it more when we get to the end today. So does anybody know what TV show that's the theme song to? CSI. Very good, very good. So that's the first place I heard this song. I know some of you... You know, may have heard it in different places than that. It's a really good song. I, I enjoy it. Um, but my wife and I, I'm pretty sure, watched every single episode of that show together. And the thing about it is it's all about, like, you know, figuring out who did it, you know, who committed the crime, who was the bad guy they're chasing. Yes, I know it's completely unrealistic. If anybody's a police officer or investigates crimes in here, yes, I realize that you can't, like, enhance a photo to know exactly what happened when it's like nothing in the picture. You know, you see those photos of Bigfoot, you can't enhance that and see what it is. It's just not going to happen, right? If the information's not there, it's not there. So, but it's just really cool to see like, ah, what's going on? Who did it? And you get just captivated by the mystery and solving it and figuring out who did it, who, who committed the crime? How are they going to catch them? What evidence are they going to find out, Right? And so we get really, really sucked in to TV shows like that, right? They get interesting, you get excited, you get attached to the characters. So what if we kind of became just as captivated about finding out who we are? So I think it's really, really important on the human level for us to understand who we are. And this isn't a thing that's brand new, right? You know, we we have all kinds of things over time that we go through, like, you know, you get the self-help books that say, oh, you do these eight steps, and it's going to help you find out who you are. Take this quiz and learn some more about yourself, right? We, We see all these things. But this isn't new to us. Even, you know, folks back in ancient times, the Greeks used the saying, know thyself. It was one of the huge tenets of various things they did, and you can see it throughout time. People are always trying to figure out who they are. And so, It's not new that we're doing that. So finding out who we are actually goes back even further than the ancient Greeks. It's gonna go back all the way to the beginning, okay? It's gonna go all the way back to Adam and Eve. The first people that were made on the earth had trouble figuring out who they were. So it's been a problem for humans since we started, right? And so we're gonna go back and we're gonna read a little bit in Genesis today. So, we're going to be in a couple spots in the Bible today. We're going to read some in Genesis. We're going to be some in Galatians. And we're going to be some in Matthew at the end. So, we're going to start off in Genesis 2 20 through 25. So, in this area, it says, But for Adam, no suitable helper was found. So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. While he was sleeping, He took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib. He had taken out a man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Adam and his wife were both naked, And they felt no shame. So there's a lot going on here, right? We hear this, we read this, we've probably heard this a million times in our lives if we've been around church. So Adam gets somebody to walk alongside him, to be with him, to be with him, right? It's not somebody that Adam is, you know, hey, you're over there and I'm over here. Like they're together, they're spending time together, they're one right? And so when we look at this, Eve and Adam are a part of each other, but they're still a little bit separate. And then what some of this turns into is you're like, okay, and they were naked and they weren't ashamed. I'm going to ask you a really weird question. If all of us in here were naked today, would we be ashamed? Would that be weird? Yeah, probably, right? I'm not going to do that. We're not going to be naked in here. We're going to wear our clothes because that's important to us. And so, but Adam and Eve didn't care, didn't matter, right? They were just walking through the garden, you know, free as a bird, going about whatever they did during that time. They were safe and secure in the way that they were. Didn't care, didn't matter. We have no idea what Adam and Eve looked like, fat, skinny, tall, short, no idea, didn't matter, right? You never see a description of Adam and Eve anywhere. Because it didn't matter, it didn't matter what they looked like. So then, we know that shame didn't exist at this point, right? It talks about shame because this was written later, but shame didn't exist. It wasn't a concept. We know shame very well, right? You know that hot feeling you get when you do something and you messed up and you know there was a mistake. That's shame, right? They didn't know that. That wasn't a thing that existed for a little bit. So. God made Adam and Eve, and in his words, it was good, right? It was great, it was perfect, it was exactly as he'd intended it. it wasn't something he'd intended. Shame. So the very next thing that happens, Genesis 3. Y'all know what's coming, right? The fall, right? So we don't know how long Adam and Eve were frolicking in the garden, hanging out, doing whatever they did. It could have been hours could have been days, years, millennia, decades, who knows? We have no idea how long it was, and really it doesn't matter how long it was, but there was a time where they were there, it was good, they were hanging out, right? So let's go in to another passage of Scripture, and if you all don't know and if you've not heard me here before, I like to read big sections of Scripture because A lot of this stuff can say it way better than I can. I could tell you the story, but I would much rather read it from the Bible and hear it there. And so we're going to go through Genesis 3, and I'm going to read the whole chapter. So if we were in the junior high, I would make the kids do it, but I'm not going to make you all do that. So here we go, Genesis 3. Now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, "'among the trees of the garden. "'But the Lord God called to the man, "'Where are you?' "'He answered, "'I heard you in the garden, "'and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. "'And he said, "'Who told you you were naked? "'Have you eaten from the tree "'that I commanded you not to eat from?' "'The man said, "'The woman you put me here with, "'she gave me some fruit from the tree, "'and I ate it. "'Then the Lord God said to the woman, "'What is this you have done?' The woman said, "'The serpent deceived me, and I ate it.' So the Lord God said to the serpent, "'Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and all wild animals. You'll crawl on your belly, and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman, and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head, and you will strike his heel.' To the woman, he said, I will make your pains in childbearing very severe. In painful labor, you will give birth to children. Your desire will be for your husband, and he will rule over you. To Adam, he said, because you listened to your wife and ate fruit from the tree which I commanded you, you must not eat from it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Through painful toil, you will eat food from it all the days of your life. It will produce thorns and thistles for you, and you will eat the plants of the field, By the sweat of your brow, you will eat your food until you return to the ground, since from it you were taken. For dust you are, and to dust you will return. Adam named his wife Eve, because she would become the mother of all the living. The Lord God made garments of skin for Adam and his wife and clothed them. And the Lord God said, the man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and also take from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. And he drove the man out. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. So, that's a lot. There's a lot there. It's a really, really important story, and it really kind of illustrates what happened, right? Shame entered the world. When Adam and Eve, together, not just one, not blaming it on Eve, not blaming it on Adam, both of them made a choice and went against God. Immediately after that, they went, oh, we're naked, right? And they felt shame. That was the first thing after they did that, the first thing that happened. It doesn't say, you know, they realized a bunch of things and they had some, you know, mental breakdown or they had some big revelation. The first thing they said is, man, we're naked, we better put something on this. And they sewed leaves together and covered themselves up. Immediately, that was the first thing they did after they got all this wisdom and knowledge. The first thing. And I think that's really, really important. Because before they did any of this, Shame didn't exist. The first thing that happened is shame entered the world when this happened. They were ashamed of their bodies. The curse on humans began, and I think that cycle of identity crisis for us as humans began on that day. We all knew who we were, well, we all as and we all too, knew who we were before any of that happened. Didn't have any qualms about who we were. Didn't matter what we looked like. Didn't matter what we did because there were two of them and everything was great. And then this happened. So it's clear what God's intention was from the start. God's intention was that we could walk with him shame-free. When I read this story, one of the things that I imagine is that Adam and Eve walking with God through the garden in the cool of the day. If you kind of think about that and imagine what that might have been like, not necessarily just imagining like, you know, walking with God and what he looks like or anything like that, you know, the way I always see it is like, you know, walking through a forest, the weather's perfect, there's no humidity, it's just great, I'm just walking through the forest, and there's like this huge giant foot that I can see next to me that's God, like kind of traipsing along in the garden, and, you know, somehow miraculously avoiding smashing all the trees that he just made, but that's how I see it in my brain, But that feeling you get when you think about, I'm walking through the forest, it's cool, it's nice, it's perfect outside, and God's hanging out there. That's what they got to do. It's so much greater than what I can imagine, but that's what they had before they ate of the tree, before shame came in. It was great. So after that choice, Adam and Eve made. Sin and separation from God entered into the world. It changed everything. They had complete access to God, walking with him in the garden. And then after that, nope, they got kicked out and it became a lot harder on us. I think sometimes a big part of our identity is wrapped up in being anti-ashamed. And so here's what I mean by that. Someone ashamed of the way they look might constantly work out constantly say, oh, this part of me is not perfect, that part of me is not perfect, I have to make it better, because they have a fear of what they look like, and they're ashamed of what they look like. It could be anything, it could be something different for you. You know, everybody has something that we're ashamed of in general, whether it's something about us, something we've done, and we spend so much time, energy, and effort fighting against what we're ashamed of, and saying, well, I don't like this, so I have to do everything the opposite of that to correct that thing that I don't like about myself. Just like the first thing Adam and Eve did when they felt shame was cover themselves up. We do the same thing. So that example of you know working out all the time to cover up some shame about a part of our body, it's covering up, you're covering up that shame with working out and trying to improve yourself in that way. On the flip side, somebody might just turn into the funny person because they don't know what else to do. They say, well, if I can't fight this, I'm just gonna give up. And that's their fight against shame. I know a lot of times we see comedians being people that are the most depressed people in the world. I mean, if you look at Chris Farley and everything that happened to him, and he was a big comedian when I was growing up. He was great, he was so funny, living in the van down by the river. But he was so, so torn up inside. Robin Williams was the same way. And you see that that's the mask these people put on to go against the shame they had about something in their lives. I don't know enough about them to know what they might have been masking, but it's, it's what they did and it's what we do sometimes. We wrap up so much of what we do in fighting against what we don't want to be. So I've given you the bad and the ugly. So where's the good? You know, what, what do we do from here? Where do we go? What does this look like in a good way? Because it all sounds kind of terrible right now. How do we get there? How do we get ourselves back to the way things were in the beginning? So let's look forward into Galatians and see where it takes us. So Galatians chapter 3. So I'm going to set this up for you because I'm not going to read the whole chapter because there's a lot there. So there's a huge discussion in this that Paul is writing about faith and the law. So the law is the Old Testament law that we're talking about. All the sacrifice and animals, you got to do this, you got to do that. If you have a white hair growing out of your pimple, it means this, and you have to do that. If you got a black hair growing out of it, it means this, and you have to do that. If you've ever read Leviticus, you know what I'm talking about, and it's crazy. Like, read that book, and you're like, how could you follow these rules? It's insane. But when you look at this, there were some things that happened during this time. There are some people who thought that after Jesus came, they still needed to follow every single one of those laws and that we were still in the same place we were. But then there were other people who thought differently and said, well, no, it's faith. And so Paul's discussion here was, is it faith? Is it the law? How do we work between these two things? Which one's right and how do we work through it? So Galatians 3, 23 through 28 says, before the coming of this faith, we were held in custody under the law, locked up until the faith that was to come would be revealed. So the law was our guardian until Christ came that we might be justified by faith. Now that this faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free nor is there male and female for you are all one in Christ Jesus if you belong to Christ then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise so i want you to really hear and understand what he's saying here because there's a lot in this section there's a lot here and it sometimes when paul talks we read it and we're like yeah that's cool but like what does it mean right so before jesus came there was a lot of division there was the law right? The law, it says, was a guardian to keep us on track and to keep us good with God. Because if you've read in Romans, the wages of sin is death. So if we sin, we deserve to die, we're done, right? We get one chance. If we mess up our chance, that's it. There were different things in the law that allowed you to move past that, you know, the sacrifices and things like that allowed you to move through there. Now that Jesus has come, it's different, right? We don't sacrifice animals anymore when we do something wrong, thankfully. I don't want to do that. So, Jesus has come, and we don't have to be a good person to measure up. We have to follow him. And that's a huge change from what they were doing before. We also don't have to be a Jew to be close to God. And I think that is where it starts here, is saying, okay, You all are arguing about this and saying only these people that are Jewish in the line of Abraham, Abraham's seed, as it says, are allowed to be the ones close to God. Well, that's different now. That's over. That's done. This has changed. So it's important when Paul says there's not a Jew and there's not a Greek anymore. There's not an enslaved person. There's not a free person anymore. There's not a male and there's not a female anymore. Does he mean that there aren't Jewish people and Greek people anymore? and that there aren't men and women anymore? No, that's not what he means. What he means is none of those things matter anymore. If you're a Jew, you're no greater than somebody who's Greek. If you are a man, you're not greater than a woman. If you're an enslaved person, you're not any greater than a free person. We're all on equal footing. That's what he's saying here. It doesn't matter. None of these things matter anymore. They're insignificant. There are differences, and they mean something to us as humans, but to God, it doesn't matter. We are all of Abraham's family. Abraham was given a promise by God in Genesis something, it's early in there, I can't remember when it is, but he was given a promise by God that his people would get to be with God. And that was where that thought of the Jewish people came, that we are Abraham's people. Now Paul is saying, nope, all of us are Abraham's people now, whether you're Jewish or not. That's really, really good news. We're all on equal footing here. We are all treated as sons of Abraham and heirs to the rewards, right? We all have an opportunity to spend eternity with God now. When, as before, it was a little more dicey, right? And I want you to know this is who we are. So I want you to take out the notes you took earlier, okay? As you're looking over those, there's not any shame in anything you wrote. All those things you wrote are probably things about yourself. They talk more about what you are rather than who you are. So some of the things I might have written down, like I'm a dad, I like to run, I'm a man, I, I don't know, I could put a bunch of things, I live in Ohio, like okay, those are things about me. But they aren't really who I am at my core. There are many, many more important things that I am at my core rather than those. Is it important that I'm a dad? Of course it is. Is it important that I'm a husband? Of course it is. But there's a greater thing that defines me beyond those things. And so I want to tell you who you are. And I want to tell you who God says who you are and not what you are. Because likely what you wrote down is what you are. So. You're a descendant of Abraham. We talked about the promises that that gets us. Read in Genesis. You can look it up. You can Google it. And you'll probably find it. It's really cool. If you see the promises of Abraham and what Abraham's family gets, we get that. You are one who's favored by God. You're an heir to the king of kings. You're the king's kid, right? You are one who walks with God as Adam and Eve did in the garden with no shame. You're loved by the God who made you. You're a follower of Christ. These things are who you are. Those are not what you are. Those are who you are. And there's a big difference there. We spend so much time trying to decide what we want to do with our life, what I want to be, what others will think about me. We don't think often about who we are. And who we are doesn't change. Who we are isn't something we have to go find, that we have to understand, that we have to make ourselves into. Who we are is coded into us from the beginning. If you look back at Adam and Eve at the very, very beginning, who were they? They were people that got to walk in the garden with God in the cool of the day and hang out with no shame. That's who we were made to be, and that's who you are. What we are is what you see today, right? So your income, your race, gender, job, they don't make you who you are in Christ. Those are all great things, and they all make us different, and they're awesome. I'm glad we all do different things, and I'm glad we're different. But at our core, the who remains the same, even though the what changes. So what I really, really like about Christians in general Is that we're all a little bit different, right? I know people that go to tons of different kinds of churches. You know, we are people that go to a vineyard church. You know, we're going to be a little different than people that go to a Lutheran church or a Catholic church or a Baptist church or a church of Christ. We're all a little bit different, right? But we have the same goal in mind, and we have the same who at the core of us, even though we might believe some slightly different things on the other side. So Matthew 22:36 through40. And we need to really think about this and what we're supposed to do from day to day, as who we are. The greatest commandment is: "Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind." This is the first and greatest commandment. It's the first thing we have to do. Second is like it: Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. So I want you to do a few things today as we head out. If you're feeling up to it this week, share who you are with someone close to you. I know some of you have small groups that you meet with. Talk about it. Because one of the things about when you learn something new and you teach it to somebody else, it's going to be more inside you. It's going to be in your brain. It's going to be in your heart if you keep talking about it. I don't want you to share the what you are. Not like, I'm a dad. I go to Vineyard West Side Church. I've got three kids. You don't need to share those things because if you're close to people, they probably already know that about you. They're like, yeah, I get it. I know you have kids. Thanks for telling me again. Um, But I want you to talk about who you are and who you are in Christ. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to pray to God to help you begin to live your life like a person who's confident and secure in their identity in Christ. That he'll begin to make you feel inside the who you are in your heart and not just in your brain. Because you've learned in your brain today but you've got to get it moved from here to here. And that's how it's really going to make a difference for you. I'm not saying it's an easy thing. I'm not saying it's going to be you fix it once and it's good for the rest of your life, it's something that's going to be a struggle for your whole life. I know that sounds kind of defeatist, like, oh man, it's going to be hard the whole time. Yeah, it is. I'm just trying to be realistic here. But if we're doing that and we're continuing to go through that, we're going to learn more about who we are and we can take those fig leaves off and we can walk with God in the garden. So let's go ahead and pray and wrap up. After I pray, the prayer team will be up here and you can see them for prayer. God, thank you for today and uh, thank you for the time that we could spend together. Help us to take the things we learned today and translate them from our brain and put them in our heart, put them in our soul, put them in a place that we'll never forget them and that we can move forward in our lives and live with them. Keep us safe and bring us back next week. Amen. See you, everybody. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.